folks, because prayer works and prayer is powerful and God will hear those prayers. Uh, He's heard all of our prayers for my family. And I know if it is his will, he will hear the prayers for Scotty's father-in-law as well. Getting back to this weekend, I hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas. I know a lot of people were not um, aware that we were not broadcasting yesterday, but I didn't want to take pe- I know Christmas is usually hectic, the Christmas day. You know, you're seeing all your family and you're traveling around And usually Christmas Day is just like a work day nowadays, and it shouldn't be. So I was like, you know, the day after Christmas, everybody should be able to have that day off, traveling home, relaxing, being with their immediate families, no, you know, no going here and going there and multiple day uh, uh, dinners. And and, uh, so we had a, uh, Eli, producer Eli and I, uh, we had our day after Christmas off yesterday, and it was really nice. And I pray yours was as well. I also want to thank so many of you for all the wonderful Christmas gifts, cards, donations, things that you guys made, paintings, letters. I I can't even begin to tell you. We have a pile like this to go through so that we can write people back and say thank you. We have so many letters. So many things were sent to us anonymously. Kong just sent a $10 donation and said, Good morning. Much love and respect. Same back to you, Kong. Um, We're just overwhelmed with blessings from the LFA family. Uh, Not only us, but our kids as well. We have decorations for our home. We had Christmas ornaments sent. Amanda Collins, what a beautiful, beautiful 2023 Christmas ornament with all of the host names on it, producers' names on it. So many of you, Nancy, Rosa, you know, John, uh, Sandy, uh, Dennis and Tatiana. Uh, I just, the, the list goes on and on. And you guys, thank you so much. It, it, it made, to know there were so many people out there, not that only watch LFA, we know that, but so many people out there that took time to write us a letter or send us a card. You know, I wish we could do it for all the, you know, 10,000 people But I just want to tell you all, we love you and we appreciate you and my children love you and my children appreciate you. And I I wanted to start out this show back after Christmas. Um, Kittenhead, Jeremy, you should have a show where you share your gifts with us. I'd love to see them. Well, that means I'd have to add another show. Uh, But no, it's I I do. I do. Thank you. And I definitely want to show some as much as I can. Um, I've had something to send you in Eli for almost a year now. Can you say slacker? No, no, no. I've had, I've had things that I'm supposed to do for the last three years and I haven't done. So I titled today's show, whose hands is it in? And that's a very good question because you can really ask yourself that same question multiple times a day at everything that arises, every situation Every scenario, every event, every journey, every place you go, you can ask yourself, whose hands is this in? Is this big decision that you and your family about to make, is it in your hands or is it in God's hands? If you answer it's in our hands, we've got this under control, more than likely you don't. 
If you are a young teen or young lady who's been, who's just, maybe you got pregnant and you don't know if you want to keep that baby, that is a major decision. And I know that in America, you can decide to terminate that baby if you so desire to. But ask yourself, who's, whose hands is this decision in? If you're about to have an abortion and you stop and think about, okay, why did I come to this decision? Whose hands was this decision in? What decision did I make? And why am I doing it? For what reason? And if all of those answers are selfish and none of those answers are from God, and I can promise you they're not going to be in the case of a, an abortion, then maybe you shouldn't trust in yourself who is fallible, who is corruptible, who is so easily tempted and swayed. Maybe, just maybe, you are not the best person to consult to make this major decision. Are you about to leave a job and go to another job? Ask yourself, A, why am I leaving this job? B, is God in this decision? Is this decision in God's hands or is it in my hands? Do I trust myself? And I can tell you from experience, every single time that you say, I've got this, this isn't a big issue, this isn't a big decision, this is a minor decision, uh, this is a decision on whether or not to, to take the day off and, 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 and go uh, and do something for myself or not. This could be even the smallest decision. If God is not in that decision, if you don't consult God, if you don't at least allow the Holy Spirit to guide your decision and pray to the Holy Spirit that, that, it, that, you'll, um, that you'll see the plan that God has set out for you and that you'll go towards that. If you don't do that, you're going to be lost. I could promise you. You're going to be lost. Now, if you don't want to stay at a job because your job just isn't, it's annoying, there's somebody there you don't like, your boss sucks, whatever it is, but you're paying the bills, maybe you should put God in that decision before you go, I just don't want to be here and make that decision yourself. And I titled today's show, like I said, Whose Hands Is It In? And here's what I wrote. We are all created to be different and to do different things for the kingdom of heaven. All of us. Some of us are good at things that others are not good at. If you go outside of what God created you for and do things that you are not gifted to you to do, you may find that it doesn't work out so well. Don't force anything. If something has to be forced, then it is not of God. God does not force you to do anything, and God doesn't force anything on you. If there is a force aspect to a decision that needs to be made, if you have to jump through hoops and go around six different doors to get there because the door that you were supposed to walk through did not open, then that means that God did not open that door. Then it's time to Stand back, stand back and stand by, as Trump would say. If you have to force anything, God is not in the mix. That you can be sure of. So let's talk about that today. Whose hands is it in? 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We are 17 minutes past the hour here on Rise Up on LFA TV, episode number 257, December 27th, year of our Lord, 2023. We are rested. We are rejuvenated. We are with God. And we are ready to go. So please remove your hats if you're wearing one and let's have a prayer. In Jesus' name, our Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for time spent together during this magical time of year. This time of year, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This time of year, billions of people come around, come together around the world and actually think selflessly, maybe for a day, but at least it's for a day. Lord, we ask that you help us think selflessly all the time and not selfishly by trusting in our own judgment. You tell us in the Bible, lean not on your own understanding, but in everything you do, pray and trust in the Lord. That is what we will do. We know that we are not trustworthy to make the right and best and holy decisions. And you know that we are sinners and you are lenient with our sinning. So lenient, in fact, that you forgive us the minute that we ask for it. Lord, today, help us with the Holy Spirit through the word. Help guide us through your message so that we can come out the other side better Christians than we were when we started. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I have a couple things to show for you, and I have a couple things to read to you. The first thing that I would like to talk about before we get into any videos is whose hands is it in? I wrote down some talking points here, okay? Vita Rose says, this show was meant for me today. Vita, this show is meant for you every day. It's meant for me every day. It's meant for humankind every day. So that reminds me, as we're 19 minutes past the hour, I would love to see those numbers over 1,500 before we even get to 930. So I'm going to need all of you to get out your little prayer fingers, your little prayer warrior fingers, and I'm going to need you to go to town. True Social, Getter, Facebook, Twitter, all of it. Share it out to the world because this is God's word, this is the gospel, and this is the best way to share it to the world. Spread the gospel, not gossip. Okay. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Isaiah, if you could. Isaiah. And we're going to go to Isaiah 41, 13. Isaiah 41, 13. Which reads, For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Sounds to me like God wants you to put your major decisions in his hands. Seems to me like God wants you to put his stress, your stresses and your worries in his hands. Seems to me like God wants you to even put 
the good things in his hand. Jay Gizme said, that's tattooed on my right wrist. Isaiah 41.13. Is this show not for you today or what? For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not. I will help you. But let's stay in Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 46.4. Isaiah 46.4 continues on. How long will God do this for? Well, even to your old age, Isaiah 4 starts out, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and deliver you. So here you have two promises right in Isaiah. Hold, your, hold my hand. I got your hand. I'll walk you through it. I'll be that fourth in the fire. I will be that relief on the cross. I will carry you. If you make me part of your decisions and just say, God, will you be with me on my way to the store today? God, will you be in the car with me? Lord, will you bring the Holy Spirit into the store with me so that when I interact with people, that I am interacting with them in a godly manner, full of light and love? Lord, when I go to the hospital today, to the ER room or to the urgent care, let me be godly and let these people treat me in a godly manner, Lord. I'm saying you do that. And God promises to not only hold you by the right hand to take you through it, but he also promises to do it until the day that you die a ripe old age. And in another portion of the Bible, God tells you that if you follow his commandments and you put him in everything that you do, like we're talking about right here in Isaiah, then you will live to be a long, old, prosperous age. He gives you the key to everything in the basic instructions before leaving earth, the B-I-B-L-E. He gives you the answer to everything. If you don't want to die young, boom, the answer's in there. If you want to be a better parent, boom, the answer's in there. If you want to be a better spouse, boom, the answer's in there. If you want to be a better employee or a better friend, boom, the answer is in there. If you want to be in better shape, boom, the answer is in there. If you want to be better at your job, if you want to be the best that you could be, boom, the answer is in there. If you have a hard time meeting friends, boom, the answer is in there. If you're depressed, boom, the answer is in there. Everything you need for this earth is in that living, breathing, beautiful document called the Bible. 66 books written over the span of hundreds of years, putting together as one. And it all makes sense in a chronological order. Ladies and gentlemen, can I get an amen? I don't know what to do. What do you mean you don't know what to do? It's right there. Oh, this decision is so hard. I can't make this decision on my own. I need advice. Bull. No, you don't. The only advice you need is right there and it's in your heart. Do not overthink things. Do not overcomplicate things. It's right there. And I can tell you from experience that every time that I go there as opposed to the world for an answer, for help, for guidance, for anything, it's a billion times better 
and it's always accurate and correct. Always. Is anything else on earth 100% accurate or correct ever? Never. Nothing is ever. The only thing that is 100% consistent, accurate, and correct is God's creation. Period. Nothing else is. Now, are you ready for the, uh, how many people we have watching here? I wanted to wait until we had 1,500 people in here to tell you what I need to tell you next. And it looks like we're there. Whose hands is it in? And I'm going to teach you right now in the most basic and amazing way that I can, way it was taught to me, that in your hands, things are nothing. In God's hands, things are everything. Ready? It depends on whose hands it's in. Eli, a basketball in my hands worth about 19 bucks. 20 bucks. Usually if you go to Walmart, you see uh, the, the sports aisle basketballs are usually about 15 to 20 bucks. 19 bucks, right? A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands worth about $33 million. Depends on whose hands it's in. A rod or a staff in my hands might ward off one wild animal if I needed it to, or might ward off a would-be attacker. But a rod or a staff in Moses' hands can part a sea and lead you to safety from an Egyptian army that everybody feared. Again, folks, it depends on whose hands it's in. How about this one? A slingshot in my hands is nothing more than a toy. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could hit a target if I really tried. A slingshot in, say, David's hands is a mighty weapon worthy of literally taking down and killing giants. Not a mythical make-believe imagination out in the woods. No, a giant. You know, like Michelle Obama, a giant. So again, now we've covered A basketball in my hands is not like a basketball in Jordan's hands. A rod or a staff in my hands is not like a rod or a staff in Moses' hands. A slingshot in my hands is nowhere near a slingshot in David's hands. You ready for this one, though? This is going to get you. Nails in my hands and feet might produce a good bird feeder attached to a pole or a tree. I think you know where I'm going with this, right? But nails in the hands and the feet of Jesus of Nazareth produce salvation for the entire world past, present, and future. So ladies and gentlemen, 
I think you should put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your stresses, your hopes, your dreams, your family, your goals, your physical ailments, your sicknesses, your healing, all of it. Get it out of your hands. Because in your hands, those things will truly, truly overpower you. But if you put all those things in God's hands, I promise you that you will navigate through those things like a knife through hot butter and nothing and no one will be able to stop you from what God has ordained for your life. Again, it depends on whose hands it's in. Amen? Chris Green says, a microphone in my hand is not worth a microphone in Jeremy's hands. But it is in Julie's hands. So ladies and gentlemen, as you see, We are all built and meant for something different. And if we try to force something that God did not give to us, a gift maybe, that God did not give to us but somebody else, it's not going to work out the way you think it is. Embrace who you are. Embrace what God made you to be. And flourish in the light and in the hope of God. The word of God. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the message today. It depends on whose hands that it's in. Now, since we're reading from the book of Isaiah, I thought that I would go to this new book that we've been reading, Understanding the 66 Books of the Bible. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, Melanie, God bless you. You're definitely going to want to go back and watch this. And if you don't believe me, ask the live stream audience what just happened. I disagree. God can make anything valuable to anyone. He does, but he doesn't. See, God can do anything. Anything he wants. But he didn't make me a six foot six basketball machine that can dunk over everybody's heads. No, no, no. He made me to do something else. And if you force something that God did not ordain, he's not going to go, all right, there you go. You can do that instead. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Never has, never will. God can do anything he wants. Will he? Well, I think history shows that he doesn't do everything that we want him to do, everything that we think he should do. All they have to do is ask to be used. They do. They do. But I'm not going to be used if I want to to go walk on the moon because that's not my... See, God only gives you if it's according to his will, Wendy. Not if it's according to your will. You can't just ask for something and you get it. You can't just ask to be used for something and you get it. It has to be according to God's will as well. And his will has to align with your will. 
And that's something that's taken me a long, long time to understand is that we are all created for something. And no, I have a hair here. And no, we are not all going to be able to do what we want to do or what we think we should do. Again, it's not all about us. It's about what we're here for. Now, I'm not saying there isn't many things you can do. I'm not saying you can't be great at a number of things. What I'm saying is, is that if you don't include him and it's according to his will, it ain't going to work out so well. That's what I'm saying. Don't force it. Have you ever in, oh, so we're going to read from Isaiah here. This is understanding the book of Isaiah. Have you ever in weakness found renewed strength through the words of a parent, a spouse, or a friend? The right words at the right time restore our courage and keep us from despair. That's how we feel as we read the words of Judah's great preacher, the prophet Isaiah. His words overflow with pathos and passion. Whether he is talking about judgment, healing, or the majesty of God. Throughout the book, there are so many references to the coming Messiah that Isaiah is sometimes called the fifth gospel. Isaiah began ministering in Judah around 740 B.C. He witnessed the final years of the northern kingdom of Israel, and he warned his tiny nation of Judah and its capital, Jerusalem, of similar judgment. In the first part of the book, chapters 1 through 39, Isaiah spoke of judgment and hope, warning that just as God used Assyria to judge Israel, he would use Babylon to judge Judah. The last part of Isaiah, chapters 40 through uh, 66, is full of God's encouragement for future exiles. These are some of the most comforting passages in the Bible. Isaiah's words and predictions give us never-ending strength. If you're low today, listen to what Isaiah said in chapter 40, verse 31 and uh, 30 and 31. Quote, even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Great, great book. Understanding the books of the Bible. Now, I'm going to put my headphones on here. Because we've been talking a lot about how to correct yourself. How to course correct when you sin. How to course correct when you do something outside of God's will and force something and you end up making mistakes that ultimately will lead to some sort of sin or some sort of regret. So this video here I found and I saved to watch today with you, uh, very important, and it gives you detailed instructions on what you do if that happens to you. Roll it. Needs to know how to get back up after they sinned. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian, so the time will come when we fall to sin and mess things up in our life. I know many times, Bible studies and churches will focus on how we can fight against temptation and take preventative measures, but Christians should also focus on how to recover after they mess up. So, if you just sinned, or if you want to know how to get back up when you stumble, here are five steps that every follower of Jesus should take. Step number one, don't wallow in sin. Romans chapter 5 verses 8 to 9. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. In this passage, Paul tells us that despite Christians being sinners, 
God still loved them and Christ died for them, and that believers are justified because of the blood of Jesus. I think many times after we've sinned and messed up, there's the temptation to either continue in our sinful habits or delay in returning to God out of guilt. And should that happen, we must remember that despite our most recent failure, God still loves us and Jesus still died for us. One quote that I'm constantly reminded of is that God loves me the same on my best day and on my worst day. And the reason why is because I'm saved based on what Jesus has done for me on the cross, not based on how holy I am, because according to Romans 3.23, we're all sinners. So know this, God right now wants us to go to him. He understands that we're sinners and that we're prone to messing things up. And that's why Jesus died for us. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? This passage gives us one of the keys to repentance, and it's that God's goodness leads us there. So if you feel the urge to continue in sin, look at how good God is, and that despite our constant mess-ups, God still loves us, and Jesus still died for us. So don't stay in sin, and make the decision to return to God now, because God's love for you did not change. Step number two, understand it's a battle. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In this passage, Paul tells the church of Ephesus to put on every piece of the armor of God so that they can resist the enemy on a day of hardship and so they can stand. So if you just fell to sin, you lost a battle. But if you're still breathing, you're still in the fight. Yeah, Satan got you, but the war isn't over. The devil wants more. He still wants to continue to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he isn't stopping his attacks, we shouldn't stop our resistance. Every battle will have its casualties because fights are messy. However, we can choose to minimize them and we can decide to get back up and get ready for the next fight. Step number three, confess your sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In this passage, John tells believers that if they confess their sins, God will forgive their sins and then he'll cleanse them from unrighteousness. So the next step that you take to get back up is to confess your sin. Be open and honest with God. Yeah, we may fall into sin because of the temptation from the enemy, but we still chose to sin and we're responsible for our actions. And God promises that when we confess our sins, he will be faithful and will forgive us for our sins and our shortcomings. So once you decide to get back up and return to God in the fight, don't pretend like your sin didn't happen. Take responsibility, confess it to God, and move on to step number four, which is to identify your triggers. James chapter one, verses 14 to 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. In this passage, James says that a person is tempted when they are drawn away by their evil desires, and then they're enticed. And I've mentioned this in previous videos, but James likens people to fish here because the word enticed means to catch by bait. So if you recently just fell to sin, you need to do your best right now to learn from your failure. And the sooner the better, because you need to understand that there were probably elements present that may have influenced you to bite the bait and cause you to sin. 
So identify your triggers and see what was going on so that you can take steps to prevent you from making the same mistake in the future. To help you reflect, take note of where you were when you sinned. Were you alone or with company? What time was it? Early in the morning, late at night? And what were you doing? What were you looking at? How were you feeling? Were you stressed, sad, angry? What state was your mind in? Overwhelmed, bored, and where did the temptation come from? Social media, a video game, from your phone, or a person? And when was the last time you read your Bible, or prayed, or asked for help regarding your specific temptation? The idea is to try to see how the enemy set up your failure and to take steps to possibly minimize your triggers or set up new habits that can prevent you from making the same mistake in the same way. And step number five, serve the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. Then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. In this passage, Samuel rebuked Israel because they wanted a king. And the reason why they wanted a king was because all of the surrounding nations had a king. And this was wrong because Israel refused to acknowledge God as their king and leader of Israel. And they demanded to have a human king to follow instead. And after Israel was rebuked for this wrongdoing, Samuel said to them, yeah, you messed up, but don't stop following God and serve him with all your heart. So if you messed up and sinned just now, Know that the spiritual battle rages on and that we can still choose to serve the Lord today. There are souls that still need to be saved, lives that can still be encouraged, individuals that can still be taught, and the church that can still be built and uplifted. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, Paul here gives one of the keys to resisting temptation, and it's to walk in the Spirit. So if you have a sin that you regularly struggle with, remember that walking in the Spirit is one way to have victory because one of the best ways to break a bad habit is to replace it with a good and Spirit-filled habit. So let's serve the Lord today, okay? So if you recently sinned, please follow these five steps. Don't wallow in sin. Understand it's a battle. Confess your sin. Identify your triggers and serve the Lord. To close, please note that fighting to get back up again is difficult, but once you look at God's unwavering love and how he remains faithful to us despite us being faithless, it gets a little easier to get back up. So should we fall, let's stand again and may you always remember Jesus loves you. Jesus even loves you, Joe. He even loves you. Why there's somebody in here, Eli? talking about how we love Trump more than Jesus. I don't even think anybody mentioned the name Trump. Sounds like to me somebody woke up with a six to midnight for Trump every single day and has Trump on their brain all day long. This guy seems like he definitely worships Donald Trump. Joe, listen, we are to worship Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. Not Allah, not Mary, not Buddha, not Trump, okay? We worship Jesus Christ here on this page, period. We are Christians on this page. We are not Catholics, Baptists, uh, uh, Methodists, or Presbyterian. We are Christians. And for somebody that says they follow Christ so much, to get up and literally be so lame that you go on Christian shows that are not talking about Trump to talk about Trump and then blame them for talking about Trump and worshiping Trump, 
You are in the exact place you need to be, Joseph. So, Joseph, thank you for being here today. We definitely welcome you with open arms. But you sound like you need some love and some help. You sound like you need some love and some help. You see, demons manifest in a lot of ways, Joseph. Demons manifest in a lot of ways. And usually when it's somebody who's so, so uh, opinionated and forcing a topic that nobody's talking about, sounds like demons have manifested quite a bit right in your home. Let's talk about it. Right and I quick, typically we? get together and we get to talk about the amazing evangelistic work that you do. And over the years, that's how I've gotten to know you is getting to work with you in that regard. But there's another subject that's part of our faith that I think sometimes is either overlooked or overemphasized, depending on who you're dealing with. But I've had a focus of feeling like this issue of evil, the spiritual evil, is sometimes ignored. You know, as an evangelist, why is it important that we have a healthy understanding of what this spiritual evil actually consists of? Well, I like that word healthy because you're right. There is excess and uh, abuse when it comes to the whole thought of uh, exorcism and demons. But the Bible is full of it, especially the Gospels. Jesus was casting out demons all over the place, speaking to them, asking for the name of legion. Uh, Paul in Ephesians says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He said we wanted to do this, preach the gospel to the, to the Thessalonians. He said, but Satan hindered us. Jesus said these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. So this isn't something that's unbiblical. It's something that's fantastic in the truest sense of the word. It just seems like fantasy. It doesn't seem real, but we know it's real both from scripture and from experience. Well, and it's also interesting because culture, and I find this fascinating, is absolutely obsessed with these issues, right? I mean, Hollywood churns out, and they're not doing it from a biblical perspective 99.9% .9 of the time, but movie after movie about, you know, ghosts, and I'll put that in quotes, ghosts and demons. And yeah, this is a topic, I think, because people... A, they're curious about it, but B, people have experienced things that they can't explain. And so it's sort of fed this intrigue, even in the secular world. Um, but, but I want to ask, because you, one of your many books, your book, Out of the Comfort Zone, you know, you and I had talked offline and you said, hey, I want you to check out, you know, chapter 10 in this book. And, you know, I went back to the book and read chapter 10, and really it recounts some of your experiences early on in ministry where you were dealing with spiritual evil. And I love the way you wrote it. I thought it was incredible sort of journeying through your lens, what you experienced. But one of the stories was about this man named John and you were at a youth church camp. You were speaking there and he came to you. T tell us a little bit about what he had to say and what you experienced with him. This happened 40 years ago. It was like the last century. And uh, I had to read the book, too, to remember exactly what happened, because I want to get it right. And I'd like to say there's no exaggerations on my part. I believe all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Liars won't inherit the kingdom of God. And so I'm very careful to, to not to exaggerate and to speak the truth. But I was at a youth camp. A young guy named John came to my cabin, and he said, I've got some problems. Can I talk with you? And so he sat on the bunk, and we began to talk. And I think I said, I'd pray, I'll pray for you in a minute. And as I began to pray, he slumped onto the floor on his back and back arched on his back. 
and began sliding across the room and screaming and groaning and having a spirit of perception, I perceived this was not normal human behavior. So I began to pray exercising prayer and demons began to manifest. And afterwards, uh, some guy come to the room and he said, because he heard the noise, and I said, go and get a drink of water for John. And he came back to himself because he was in a blackout state. And I said, John, what have you been into to get like this? And he said he had been listening to heavy uh, occultic rock music and drinking blood, which isn't kind of normal. <laughs> and him and his girlfriend, under the influence of marijuana, would go to a butcher and get blood and drink it. And it's because Satanism and the occult is all founded upon rebellion, a rebellion against God and against everything good and wholesome. And God says blood is sacred, so they drink blood to desecrate it. God loves children, says let the children come to me. They sacrifice children. God says cover the human body, so they have their satanic rituals naked often and so it's all founded on rebellion and that's what he had been into and that's what had opened the door to demons so i i have a number of questions here the first one being you know here you are I, i'm sure you're thinking you're going to have a normal conversation with this guy with john about what he's going through when he collapsed to the floor and started moving around the room what was going through your mind and your heart in the in those moments as you were watching that unfold I missed out one detail. Saliva from his mouth was coming out with such velocity, it was hitting a chest of drawers at least six or eight feet from him. It was just weird. Um, what was going through my mind is, yikes, what is happening? Because I'm in, I live in a natural world. If you think it sounds fantastic, think of me. I was right in the middle of like a horror movie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, how many of you have seen demons manifest in people right before your eyes. I've seen it many, many times. I've seen people go from human to not human in a matter of seconds. I've seen people literally change everything about them, even the look in their eye, like you look in their eye and it doesn't even look like that person anymore. It looks like their soul has been transformed or taken over by something else. I have seen it before my eyes. Big shout out to Janine Cowart. Janine Cowart, thank you very much for watching. We appreciate you being here. And demons are very real, folks. And here's the thing. The closer that you get to Christ, the more that you put things in God's hands, like when we were talking about earlier in the show, the more demons are going to manifest around you. The more that Satan will send his armies to take you down. Now, the closer you get to Jesus, the, least, the less chance they actually have of doing it. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to try. They're going to want to take everything from you. And they'll manifest in the people around you, which is why you need to embrace the, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Your friends and your family should all be good Christians. You should associate yourself with good Christian people. Otherwise, those people will be used against you in the court of this world ladies and gentlemen, and Satan is the judge. Those people around you that do not know how to wear the armor of God, that are not familiar with Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, do not understand how to ward off evil. That evil will overtake them and it will be used against you. And that is why the closer you get to Christ, the more of your friends you lose. The closer you get to God, the more of the world is removed. That is why it has to happen that way. Because if it doesn't, then the devil will use those people to his advantage to get to you. Guaranteed. 
And if you have a split home, you have children that have a family somewhere else and that family doesn't believe in God, then guess what? I mean, the, the mom and the, and the dads and the brothers and the sisters, other than the kids that you share, guess what? The devil will use that house to get into those kids to ultimately get into your house. Because even though it is your house and as for you in your home, you serve the Lord, that doesn't mean, ladies and gentlemen, that when your children have their guard down, that the demons won't manifest and make their way, sneak their way into your home like Troy, right? Through that, with that, with that wooden horse, your children being the wooden horse that's trustworthy and the demons manifesting on the inside. You have constantly, constantly got to be praying over the people that walk into your house, that demons that might have manifested in them are removed. You have to constantly be on guard. You have to constantly be aware that the devil is around every corner waiting like a hungry lion to devour you and anybody that it can around you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why it's so important. Melanie says, I've seen the devil manifest in the midst of conversation with me. Amazing. Yes, that's true. That is true. Open your one-minute prayer for dads to page 127, if you can. 127 for one-minute prayer for dads. Hope Joe is still here. It looks like Joe might have bounced, but I pray that Joe is still here. Proverbs 16.9, the heart of a man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. Does that sound like putting God in your choices? It does to me. Though God is never surprised, sometimes we are. And yet God is the one at work in us every day. He watches over us with great care. And his sovereignty is our ally in life as dads. Since nothing surprises God, nothing should shake us when it happens. God is always in control, no matter what. Lord, sometimes your plans throw me for a loop. I think I know what's up, and then all of a sudden, something happens that confuses me. I know you are sovereign, and you do all things in accordance with your divine plan. But when these unexpected changes happen in my family, I ask, how, Lord, will you work this one out? The answer to what puzzles me is always to wait, watch, and trust. Your sovereignty isn't my enemy. It's my friend. I therefore trust you to work out for my good and the good of my kids. Every seeming interruption to my own plans, I give you charge of my life. Every single bit of it. And I know that this is actually working in my life because things that I would have said that were in my control before, things that I would have flipped out if they did not work, no longer the case because I know that it's not in my hands. I don't flip out. There is no reason for me to get angry or upset with anything. Only think of the glass half full and the solution, not the glass half empty and the problem. Amen? Folks, we cleared 1,700 people today watching here on Rise Up. What a blessing. Folks, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, and I'm going to ask you to give us a thumbs up if you have not yet. While we end the same way that I brought you in with a little bit of good, good father, it's who you are. It's who you are. But ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank you for being here. I hope you had a great and wonderful Merry Christmas. Now, we have next Monday off, too, because it's New Year's Day. So we're going to get the best we can out of the three days that we're here today. We love you. We thank you for being here. Joe, we pray for you. We pray for anybody who might have said something jazzy to you. That's not how things are on Rise Up. We love you. 
We do pray for you. We worship Jesus and Jesus only, not Trump. God bless you guys. Remember, Mike Crispy and Unafraid comes up next. You're going to want to definitely watch that for all of the catching up news. And then followed by two hours with me, yours truly, Jeremy Harrell, for Live from America right after that. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. And may God direct your steps. Have a great morning. Come on, sing it out. I've seen it.